Welcome to the Service Intel podcast powered by Aquant. This season, Sydney Laura, our resident service principal, is sitting down with top names in the industry who are rethinking what it means to provide great service. With over 20 years of experience in operations and service leadership, Sydney knows this industry like the back of his hand, and he'll be your guide through it all as we navigate what's next for the service industry. In today's episode, we have Roger Smelser, Executive Partner at United Services Technologies. Sid and Roger will discuss how to attract, retain, and motivate a multi-generational workforce. They'll also talk about organizational structures and how to navigate cultural issues during a merger or acquisition, specifically as it relates to its impact on various generations of workers. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and now I'll pass things over to Sid. Hello, everyone, and welcome, and thank you for joining our podcast today. On the topic, I'm really excited about this topic, hiring, retaining, and managing across multiple generations. Uh, Really excited to have an expert, uh, someone I look to a lot, uh, who has tremendous experience and tremendous thoughts and ideas and best practices when it comes to to this topic, Uh, Roger Smelser. I've uh, known Roger for quite some years. We've become somewhat of friends over time. And uh, every time I run into him somewhere, I continue to have fruitful conversations with him. Uh, but with that said, let me let me turn the mic over to, to Roger. And Roger, if you could, a little bit about yourself, your background, et cetera. Yeah, well, uh, I've been in the industry for about 35 years, a little bit longer than that. But uh, I started as a bench tech repairing circuit boards, I ended up in the field for about 20 years. And uh Built a company called United Service Com- Technologies based in California, and uh, we are uh, specific in the grocery vertical, servicing um, commercial food equipment on the hot side. Awesome. Thank you, and, and welcome so much. Uh, Roger and I go about seven years back. I was thinking about that uh, this morning, Roger. Uh, time flies. Uh, it's been about seven years since we first met. Roger and I uh, love to talk and have discussions around the value of, of data. Uh, unfortunately, we're not talking about that today. Uh, we're talking about, uh, again, our topic of, of hiring and retaining. Um, what I wanted to mention to you, Roger, you see me at shows, conference shows, as well as recently we did a survey of over 100 service leaders. <clears throat> and what we consistently hear, again, at the conferences or through this recent survey, is that field service leaders are always or continually having difficulty in their day-to-days when it comes to hiring, retaining, and motivating. And this is continually to be the most pressing topic amongst most service leaders' minds. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I talk to other leaders around the industry, you know, hiring is always number one on their list, right? Yeah. How do we get people in um, where we've kind of focused is is really trying to draw in uh, young people. Um, of course, we hire across the whole gamut. All four generations are in our company, but we're really trying to reach the next generation and make them aware of the industry that we're in. Awesome, Roger. I think you know that's that's the perfect segue into to our conversation today's right. I'm going to be asking questions around what can service leaders do uh, to help attract and retain workforces across multiple generations. And I know you have some wonderful insights on that. 
And today we want to cover uh, the rehiring, the retaining uh, aspect of it. Um, you know, what are the unique preferences and behaviors of coworkers who grew up in different times than ourselves? We'll also talk about organizational structures, Roger. Uh, last time we talked, uh, when we saw each other, I think that's you have a very unique way uh, of, of an organizational structure as opposed to the traditional, I would say. And then more importantly, how to navigate cultural issues, right, during mergers and acquisitions. I know that's a big trend going on in the industry. And uh, I know you have some wonderful insights, um, experiences when it comes to that. So I look forward to having this conversation with you. Let's yeah. start off. Let's start off, Roger, with the generational differences. All right. You, you already alluded to it. But yeah. what are some of the key differences between generations and how do younger generations, Gen Z's and millennials, operate compared to the older generations? Well, I think um, my generation, so I'm Gen X, I'm 56 years old. Um, my business partner is a baby boomer and he's about seven years older than I am. So uh, growing up in the industry, you know, once we were the young guys and we were the, the ones that people were making fun of at, at some point. But the big difference that I see is the mindset of my generation and the previous generation where we were more focused around kind of job security, I like to say. And so when we'd find a more efficient way to fix something or do something, we kind of tucked that in our pocket and we saw that as our value, right, to the company. And that was that was for us. And we would certainly train and pass on that information, but we had the whole pie and they had a piece, right? And so that's kind of how it worked. And uh, fast forward to today, and millennials and Gen Z just work completely different. Um, what I like about them is they're networked already, right? So they're, they're very connected to each other and to the rest of the world. And so when they find a new or more efficient way to service something, instead of tucking it in their pocket, it's on Snapchat and Instagram and, uh, you know, the world TikTok <laughs> within seconds and they're all learning. And so what I've seen in my business among millennials and Gen Z's, they just learn much faster because of this uh, sharing um, kind of mindset that they have. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I, and I couldn't help you heard me laughing quite a bit because I remember that vividly trying to lead folks who felt job security was, was about what they knew versus what the others and uh, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later the importance of that knowledge sharing of how it makes organizational strong, organizations stronger. So I appreciate yeah. that. Um, when it relates to hiring and attracting workers, <clears throat> compared to 20 years ago, Roger, when you started your business, um, there seems to be little interest in today's younger generations entering into the field service industry in general. What is it that you do and any best practices you can share for those listening, what you do to attract younger generations? Well, I think um, for us, the biggest thing is just having a culture that's attractive to them. And so I like to say we have a resume building culture of achievement, right? That's a lot of words, but um, I really like that. I think it's attractive to them. They're looking to not just build their value for the company, but to build their own personal value they they're they want to internalize those learnings and take them on 
with them into the future, whether they stay with us or move on to another company. And, um, you know, the kind of the message that I give our, our young people that come in is, you know, we're going to be the ones building your resume and adding value. And, you know, if you, if that's valuable to you, this is the right place for you. The other um, thing I think is important is technology, right? They want to use the technology that they're currently using. They don't want to go backwards. You know, you don't want to bring somebody in their late 20s into your company and hand them a phone from eight years ago, right? That That isn't going to fly. Yeah. So yeah. it's not going to work for them. So you want to give them the, the I, this is the way I usually say it. Most technicians have two phones in their pocket. One is their personal phone and one is their company phone. I want our phone to be the best one in their pocket. And so I think that's attractive. Um, you know, I like to say too that, you know, we find technicians that are kind of uh, tech savvy when they come in there, they can intuitively pick up a phone and know how to use it or other devices, but we want to make them tech fluent, right? People that, that understand what's happening inside that phone that makes it do what it does. And so we're offering to take them from tech savvy to tech fluent. That makes awesome. sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you somewhat touched on it, but I'm going to ask it uh, a little more directly. Job hopping, it seems to be a very common theme amongst the younger generations today. You talked mm -hmm. about resume building, and I really like that. Um, topic and probably weaves right into this question. How can service leaders and managers retain and develop employees so they're not so prone to job hop? Well, I think that's just it, right? If you're doing the developing, they're not apt to go if they're continually learning. So one of the things we've instituted in our company is every quarter we have goals for our, our leaders, our technicians, departments, that read like line items on a resume. So as they accomplish them, they're adding to their resume and they can see that. And at the end of the year, we celebrate all the accomplishments. So each person has an accomplishments list. And that's what, what we do to really kind of reinforce the fact that you're growing and learning here. Somewhere else you might not be growing and learning at this level. And that's attractive to them. You know, uh, we talked about the differences in generations. One of the big differences is older people like me are, you know, grew up in a culture that valued accumulating things and stuff. And, you know, I remember the old 80s bumper stickers that says, he who dies with the most toys wins, right? And that type of thing. Well, that's not how these these generations think. Gen Z and millennials value experiences over stuff. And you can see that in all these uh, Gen Z and millennial van lifers and other things. They're getting rid of the stuff and they're focused in on the experience. And so creating a work atmosphere that's experiential is important. Very well said, Roger. And I love the resume building piece. I think too often what I try to mentor uh, as a leader, it's build a resume that that you can say how you made an impact to the business as opposed to regurgitating a job description. And I think you 
what you're doing there is fantastic. And I think it almost, if correct me if I'm wrong, probably to the point of retention will make them want to stay because they want to add more bullets to their accomplishments. So uh, inspirational. And thank you for your viewpoint on that. Um, let's go into to a little bit of organizational structures. I know in the past, Roger, you talked about uh, matrix organizations versus more flat. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, your organization has been more of a flat operation, uh, less chiefs. And maybe you can talk about your type of organization uh, versus traditional and pros and cons. Yeah. So, you know, one of the big things, um, we joined the Tech 24 family back in April of 21. And one of the things that's different, right, is they have a, a big company structure that's in place with many levels. And we came in with a very flat uh, structure, basically me and my business partner, a set of leaders and everyone else, right? So basically there was not a lot of upward mobility available for people. And that's why we had to have a resume building culture, right? So what do you do if you don't have a lot of positions for people to move up into? How do you add value to them? and show them that they can advance. And so we created some career pathways um, for people to work through so that they could see that they were advancing. And of course that included pay and education and training. You know, one of the best things you can do to build a resume is train them, right? (laughs) Get them trained. But having a much flatter organization um, was, you know, a little difficult coming into the bigger organization. And so we kind of changed what we do a little bit to say um, to our team, to our leadership team, the best way to get promoted is to promote someone beneath you, right? Someone that's working under you or directly reporting to you, lift them up. And, you know, that, that lifts you up by, uh, at the same time. And so we've still started to create some new levels of management. Um, we have area service managers and we're bringing in, um, some field service supervisors. In addition to that, that have a different job description, And so we're able to build that up a little bit. Um, It was advantageous to have a flat organization because you can move faster, right? It's a much quicker way to move, less decision makers, easy to go. But as you get bigger and you need to scale, um, it's important to have those levels to spread the work over many hands, right? Yep. So do you find, you know, from from the workers, I'm sure uh, people have, I think one time, Roger, uh, maybe you can talk on this. It just resonated. I just reminded myself, you've seen folks leave and come back uh, to your organization. And and maybe you can talk a lot before you get into that example, um, what technicians think about your more flat organization versus one that's more multi-layered. Well, I think they initially like the flat organization because Right. Me and my business partner rubbing elbows with them right alongside them more in a flatter organization than you do in a more uh, structured organization. However, you know, the the ability to scale that way is hard. Right. I'll give you an example. I use I I like to call it a random technician, you know, every week talk to somebody. And I've been doing that for a lot of years. 
However, you know, as you grow and scale, that gets harder and harder pretty soon. All I'm doing is calling technicians, right? And so you you have to build uh, leadership that will do the same things, right? And so you have to duplicate yourself. And so that's one of the things we really focused on is developing your strong second, we always say. And that's somebody that can help you do the things that you couldn't do Um you know, as you got into a bigger structure, that's what you have to do basically is get those people trained and get them doing the same thing you were doing so that you can maintain the culture that you had. And now it's different people rubbing elbows with them, but they're close to them and they, they understand what their wants and needs and uh, desires are um, for the job and for the future. And those are the guys that you have to put your trust in, which is a little scary as a, as a small business owner. For me, it was hard to release that, you know? Yeah. Well said, Roger. I mean, I'm very, very near and dear to my leadership style style as well. It's, I would call it obsoleting yourself, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Do you have your second in command, your third in command, uh, that are your that you're developing and mentoring to make the decisions that you make. So, as you said, whether you you want to take on new adventures or take on broader broader responsibilities, you can't do that without someone who's capable that you're confident in can do that for you. So, it's it's just like what you said. The example close to my pocket, uh, very similar with an attention issue. Same thing with the leadership ro- uh, roles that I think we all need to think about. Uh, I don't think enough of us do um, that developing people, it's not about you. It's about the people beneath you and how strong they are. And when you make them strong, I love the example you said, making someone promote someone beneath you, you're doing your job. So really appreciate your perspective on that. Um, We talked about mergers and acquisitions, Roger. And I know from the industry that you're in, me keeping my 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 ear close to it, it just seems to be happened happening rapidly. Uh, acquisitions are just I, I can't keep up with the news, right? <laughs> uh, can you talk about what happens? Maybe share for those listening what to expect and how do you control and keep the harmony, if you will, when you're doing mergers and acquisitions? Because the folks that are most concerned are the technicians. Am I going to lose my job? What does it mean for me, et cetera? Maybe you can give some insights on that topic, please. Well, I think the the best thing is transparency, right? So you got to be transparent about what's happening and uh, be upfront about the, the things that are important, right? They care about, do I still have a job? Uh, you know, am I, is, are my benefits staying the same? You know, it's a lot of HR activity. <laughs> um, but I'll just say that, you know, our experience has been good. And generally around the industry, people that I know that own companies that have been acquired over the last two, three years have generally had good experiences. You know, I've heard a few complaints along the way. Um, I certainly don't have any. You know, we were. Um, you know, there were commitments made and all were kept and, um, we've had a great experience, um, so far. And, you know, for us, the, one of the, there were two reasons we sold our company. One was because my business partner was getting to retirement age. The other was, you know, we were bumping up against that hundred person wall, (laughs) you know, 
Um, we had a whole bunch of one-person departments, like we had one HR person, one fleet person, one IT person, and about 100 people is all they could really handle. And so every time we tried to make that bump above 100, uh, we were getting we were we were getting them overloaded, and it was causing a lot of problems. And so it was great once we were acquired and we had those additional resources. We shot right past that, and we were able to grow, you know, pretty quickly by about twenty percent in the number of employees we had. So, you know, the there were immediate uh, benefits because we had been transparent with our employees and telling them, "Hey, we're hitting this hundred-person wall. We're really struggling to get past it. We don't know what the issues are besides just taxing our one-person departments." There was more than that, but you know, it's it's nice to see that what we thought would work, adding some resources and adding some people to those departments, would make the difference, and we could grow, and it worked out. Awesome. Uh, thank you, Roger. Appreciate that. Roger, we, we had a lot of great, uh, well, you had a lot of great of input towards our topic today. Uh, the multi-generations, the resume building, attracting them with technology, et cetera. But uh, I'd like to kind of, kind of bring our conversation to a close because I'm sure everyone listening is, okay, they've taken down some great notes. But I'd like to ask you about finding the the pool of candidates to 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 attract your organization where are you finding them yeah so multiple ways i'm sure uh, most people are finding their technicians multiple ways you know we find them all the traditional ways but one of the areas we've really looked to in the past several years is the automotive industry um, they have a little bit of fear because of uh, evs coming on the market uh, right electric vehicles and so these ICE or internal combustion engine technicians understand that there's only one of them required for every 10 of them needed now when we move to EVs. So they've got, they're a little nervous about where their industry is going right now. It's not moving fast. You know, we see a lot of electric cars and we think, gosh, they're a lot, but they're really only two to 4% of the cars on the planet right now, but growing fast. And that fear is real. And so we try to reach into that industry and and hire people from that industry. Um, and I would say they have two of the things that we really look for in technicians, right? One, mechanical aptitude and sometimes electrical aptitude because they're working on automotive vehicles. And then two, the willingness to get dirty, right? Which may be in reverse order a number of important, <laughs> right? Because, yeah. um, you know, you hear this all the time um, in the media, you know, that young people don't want to do the dirty jobs. But what we found is the exact opposite, especially among Gen Z. You know, they're willing to dig in. They have a great work ethic. Um, I have a tremendous team. Uh, of young people, I, I say this all the time um, because I'm proud of it. The average age of our technician is about 27 in an industry where the average age is somewhere between 51 and 56, oh, amazing. depending on which study you look at. And it's a young group, so we've been successful at attracting in people and finding them and bringing them in. But, um, you know, finding them is is the chore, and it's not easy, but 
um, those are the best tips I could give you is look, look to the automotive industry. I think it's an industry um, that is going to be having some displacement and we're the perfect industry for those, those people to go, you know? Yeah. Amazing, Roger. Uh, I think what a way to close our conversation and uh, a testament towards uh, your success is your average workforce age. I was a little blown away by that number because uh, what I've seen in the past, as you said, it's been older and you've been obviously successful to grow to bring a, younger groups and attracting younger groups to an industry that sometimes doesn't seem so attractive. So job well done. Um, well, I'd like, Go ahead. The last thing I would say, Sydney, is, you know, we value the people that are in my age group as well. And so we started a, a digital support team to support our entire staff. And that's what we do is we move those guys with all that great tribal knowledge that are so valuable to any company into position to help these new generations get going, you know, and I think yeah. it's, it's a good example of, you know, each generation supporting the next one down the road. Right. A uh, 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 well-oiled culture, Roger. Nice job. Um, mm-hmm. With that, I'd like to close out and thank you, Roger, again, uh, for joining a wonderful conversation before I leave, of course, I'll give you your opportunity to, to close as well in case you missed anything you may want to add, but uh, hope everyone enjoyed our session today. And Roger, again, many thanks. I uh, appreciate you being here today and closing back to you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you having me. Uh, of course, uh, Aquan is near and dear to my heart and what we do. So I'm happy to be on the podcast and to work with you guys. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. And talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.